Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And good afternoon to you. Jason Vanderveer here with you on Calvary Live. You heard the number there. Let me give it to you again in case you didn't catch it. 303-690-3000 is the number if you want to join us uh, on the program here. 303-690-3000. If you prefer to text, there's a different number for that. 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven to text. If you do checks, just a short one sentence uh, message of uh, whatever your prayer request uh, might be, uh, or uh, what we might be able to answer for you. We'll answer as many of those uh, texts as we can, either on the air uh, or uh, after we go off the air. But uh, if you'd like to join me in person again, three zero three six nine zero three thousand. I'm Jason Vanderveer. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado, and appreciate all of you joining me today on Grace FM, all of our listeners in Colorado and Wyoming. And uh, also as well, want to uh, thank our Truth FM listeners for joining us from Kentucky, uh, North Carolina, and in Tennessee. And then of course, uh, our Northeastern listeners, Hope FM, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Welcome to all of you. The number's the same for everybody to call in, 303-690-3000. If you have a prayer request uh, or a question, of course, uh, Calvary Live, a big part of the program is, is you. And uh, your questions about the Bible, about Christianity. Maybe you have a question about prophecy or apologetics or cults or current events as they relate to the Scripture. Or you just need prayer or encouragement. Uh, Always uh, looking forward to doing that as well. Give us a call here. And uh, if you want more information about uh, our fellowship, Calvary Chapel in Parker, maybe you're in the Parker, Colorado area, or you're going to be, uh, or you just want to take advantage of some of the resources that we have available online, including uh, the ability to stream uh, messages from the entire Bible, audio, video, uh, all there anytime uh, you want to just pick a book, go through a book of the Bible with us, you can do that, uh, or as well as our uh, current messages. So if you're not in the area, that's okay. We've got a lot of other great resources there for you. But if you're going to be in the area, you want to join us, you can get directions, service times, all of that available at calvarychapelparker.com. That's calvarychapelparker.com is is our web address. And uh, if you want to Take a look there, peruse, and uh, and utilize some of the information there. That's uh, that's what it's there for. And this program is also uh, here for you as well. Uh, Monday through Friday, Calvary Live, available to you here to call in and get your Bible questions answered, get prayer uh, if you need prayer. You can also uh, get the uh, podcast, the Calvary Live podcast on iTunes. Just select the original show date. Keep in mind, those of you listening 
uh, in the south and also in the northeast. Uh, you're listening on a, uh, the program is a week old typically, so uh, while you can call in live in those spots, you're, you're typically listening to the show uh, from last week. So uh, just keep that in mind as you're selecting the original show date if you want to re-listen to a program. Maybe you didn't quite catch something uh, or you know we talked about something and you wanted to hear that or hear it again. Uh, iTunes, Calvary Live uh, podcast. You can also uh, get copies, uh, or not copies, uh, I guess is not the right term, but uh, you can also listen to the program, uh, gracefm.com. You can go there and uh, find previous shows there as well. So maybe you don't use iTunes, uh, and uh, or that's not convenient for you. You can go to gracefm.com and uh, find previous shows on there as well. But, you know, this program is live right now, and love to hear from you. 3036 nine zero three thousand all lines are open three zero three six nine zero three thousand uh that's the number to call if you want to join me here uh on the program we're just getting kicked back off we had a fresh live program yesterday uh after the christmas and new year holiday and now of course uh live program today getting back into the swing of things another live program tomorrow and and uh into the foreseeable future. So it's great to be back on the air. And uh, for me, it's been a hiatus of a few weeks. So I'm enjoying being back with you. And uh, well, not a few weeks uh, off, but a few weeks off from the program. But I'm, I'm excited to be back uh, here on the program with you. If you want to join us uh, as soon as this Sunday is your next opportunity at Calvary Chapel Parker, uh, we'll be continuing in the book of Nehemiah. We're in the uh, ninth chapter of the book of Nehemiah. Uh, at least we will be this Sunday morning. If you want to catch our most recent message, as I mentioned, you can do so at CalvaryChapelParker.com, CalvaryChapelParker.com, the most recent message, Revival Through the Word from Nehemiah chapter 8, at least the most recent Sunday message, and uh, on Wednesday nights, going through 2 Samuel and the life of David, just uh, covered last night, chapters 17 and 18, looking at the rebellion of Absalom. Both, Both of those available on our website, audio uh, video there for you to watch, listen, stream, whatever the case may be. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, why don't you join us here? It looks like we're getting some calls coming in, so we're going to go to those. But the number one more time, 303-690-3000. And let's go to Selena. Selena, welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how you doing? Oh, gosh. I mean, I just got done crying my eyes out. I am 37 weeks pregnant, so life has been a little bit more emotional uh, than usual. <laughs> almost to the finish line, though. Yes, yes. Praise God. And um, that's something my first, it's, it's a prayer request and some guidance in my marriage and my life. So first, the prayer request is for a healthy delivery. I mean, I've just been so anxious about this because we lost our first. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't time, you know, and this one's going to go full term in Jesus' name. But mm-hmm. I, I need some prayer on that. I've been very anxious, and I need prayer on my heart to have more faith in God. Right. You know, he's been so, so um, amazing this whole time, making the baby, you know, progress in a very healthy way. Like, there's no concerns, no complications, Excellent. and everything. And I just still feel this anxiety in me that really takes a big hold of my life that something's going to still go wrong at the very end and i have to accept it if it does go wrong but it's also a lack of faith you know i just think about jesus in the storm he just says you have a little faith you know that feels like that's what's going on with me right now (laughs) 
Well, and and that's understandable. Obviously, considering the experience that you've had, you know, th- there's always that in the back of your mind. You're, you, you know, you know, you know what can happen. So then, then your mind can get the best of you sometimes. And yeah. uh, you know, but the nice thing is, you know, you're at 37 weeks. Basically, you know, you you got a week left in your full term, right? You know, you got your 38 weeks, and you're good to go. Uh, you know, 38 to 40, obviously. So you're you're literally in the final stretch here, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's exciting. And you know, um, uh, it it just it sounds like a really special time for you. But obviously, the anxiety, you know, the the enemy would like to use that to maybe uh, steal from you a little bit. And um, you know, I we my wife and I, it's it's been a number of years. We 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 lost a a, a baby as as you did, and then we also had uh, one born with complications too. So um, I can uh, I can empathize uh, with you and understand uh, maybe some of the things. Uh, that that are on your mind, but but the nice thing is, is no matter what happens, the Lord is still in control, still on the throne, and He still blesses, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and but it sounds like uh, none of these things are really a concern. Uh, hopefully this time around, but we can pray. Why don't we uh, just lift it up, lift you up, and and uh, your baby, and 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 a healthy delivery. Amen. Yeah. Father, we just thank you. I thank you for Selena, Lord. I. Uh, I thank you for the healing that that you've done in her heart, Lord, from from uh, the loss of uh, her earlier child, Lord, and and we thank you that that uh, while that sometimes happens, Lord, yet you still bless and 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 you still are the author of life and and you still bring new life into our lives, and so uh, I thank you for Selena and I and I thank you for this baby on the way, and I, I I thank you that you've brought her so far and and that she's been healthy and had a good, healthy pregnancy. Lord, we, we pray for a healthy delivery. Uh, we pray uh, that, that you would just work and bless according to your will, that in your timing, whether it's a week or whether it's another three weeks or you know whatever the time frame is, uh, Lord, we just pray uh, uh, for a child uh, that is healthy and for a child that, that grows up uh, to love you and to, to serve you. And so, Lord, I just pray, uh, especially for Selena, though, as... as Lord, just our minds sometimes based on the things that we've experienced can get the best of us. And, and Lord, I just pray for her anxiety. Lord, I just pray that you would, um, that, that, that you would help her, Lord, uh, that you would help her not to be anxious, uh, but to just pray and to seek you and, and to uh, have her heart and, and, and especially her mind uh, guarded in you as she does. Lord, I just pray for a peace and, and I pray uh, for rest that she needs and, and for her own health as she gets ready to, uh, to deliver this baby. And I just pray for a blessed day as, as this child comes into the world and uh, she gets to uh, look at him or her for the first time, uh, hold them and uh, hear them even cry. Lord, I just pray uh, that you would just bless with this new addition to their family. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. It's going to be a baby boy, Joseph Joshua. Ah, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, maybe uh when you're when you're uh, you know, uh through all of that you can give us a call back and uh and give us an update or yeah. text us. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, God bless you. I really appreciate you calling, Selena. Thanks. Take care. Yeah, you too. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Jason Vandiver here with you on Calvary Live. Let's go to James, Boulder, Colorado. James, welcome to the program. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, Pastor. How are you? 
I'm doing great. It's not snowing today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the sun's out. It's uh, warming up. I haven't checked it, but it was supposed to be in, in, in the 50s, which is nice when the wind chill's been below zero. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I just I just had a question for you today, Bouncer. I um I just wanted to know uh, who wrote the Bible. <laughs> well, no, that's a great question. So obviously, when we're we're uh, talking about the Bible, we're talking about a compilation, really, of 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 separate books with a cohesive message. And you have 66 books. You have 40 different human uh, authors. Uh, but the Bible tells us it proclaims to be written by God. In other words, um, all scripture is given uh, by inspiration uh, of God and uh, is profitable, the scripture says, for uh, instruction, for reproof, for correction and righteousness. Um, So the Bible, uh, as long as you uh, believe the Bible, uh, you know, then, uh, then you believe it, it. It's written by God. I would tell you this: that there is a lot of evidence in the Scripture that it is of divine origin. Um, for example, we have fulfilled prophecy, uh, prophecy of, of individuals by name in certain cases, hundreds of years before they were born. Certainly the prophecies uh, concerning Jesus Christ himself, more than 300 prophecies fulfilled uh, by Jesus, including the place of his birth. And I don't know about you, but I didn't get to choose, uh, you know, where I was born. So, so uh, and then there's all of the, the, the effects of the Bible, not just the fulfilled prophecies, Prophecy, but all of the effects of the Bible uh, on the lives of those uh, who who live by it. So um, you know that that's the the simple answer to your question. Is there additional uh, uh, reasons why you're asking, or what 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 caused you to 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 think about that? Oh, I just uh, well, I'm I'm a firm believer. I mean, I you know I believe in uh, you know I, I believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe He came back, died for us, uh, so that yep. we uh, have a chance to uh, get you know get the sin out of our lives and mm-hmm. and uh, just have a a good time um, you know with God in the in the afterlife. I just uh, or with God, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's an afterlife, um, but uh, no, I just was curious. I uh, you know I had uh, you know I I should probably stay away from YouTube. I uh, <laughs> I was, yeah. I was, you know, they were talking about Moses and like, you know, there's all these different authors and you know, just like, I understand that you know, it's like, uh, it's God inspired. You know, and I didn't, I didn't know that. You know, that it was God inspired. Um, yeah. So I'd always go off scholars. You know, I've been thinking. Uh, you know, I just thought a group of guys got together and and kind of. Uh, pieced it together in a sense, um, sure. and I just was wondering where they were getting their source from and and, and their source of God. Yeah, yeah. So so you do have you do have human authors that are used, but but the author is really is really God. So you have forty different human authors. You know, some people try to dispute. You know, certain certain of those authors, like Moses, in other words, they want to dispute whether Moses wrote all of the book of Moses. They want to, you know, have multiple Isaiahs that, that wrote the book of Isaiah. They want to dispute the book of Daniel. Typically, the reason that they want to dispute certain things uh, is because of the prophetic nature 
uh, and they say, well, you know, these things couldn't have been written by this individual at this time because look at the things that were predicted and they came true. Well, that's kind of a, a, a silly argument to say, well, that person couldn't have written it because it's prophetic and it came true. Um, but, uh, but, but that's the reality uh, of naysayers sometimes. But there's, there's a tremendous evidence that the individuals uh, who are given credit uh, and most of the books are pretty well established as to uh, to who wrote them. And certain books were, uh, like the Psalms, for example, were written by different individuals, David uh, and 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 others. Uh, so, but uh, but most books, their human uh, instruments or authors are are very well established. Uh, but the Scripture itself was was given by God. What I mentioned to you earlier was Second Timothy. Uh, the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16, uh, where he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible purports to be a book uh, outside of human origin, and in other words, of, of divine origin. In fact, that phrase there uh, where it says it's given by inspiration of God, the idea there is it's, that it's breathed by God, that, that, that God breathed out uh, the word. And so he inspired human authors uh, to write uh, what they wrote. And, and thus what they wrote is, is different than any other book uh, that, that you'll ever read or a compilation uh, of books. And it tells one cohesive story uh, all the way through of God and his creation and, and the fall of that creation and God's plan uh, of redemption. Uh, beginning immediately after there, uh, uh, the fall uh, in in uh, the third chapter there of the book of Genesis. So um, it, it, it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating book, and you'll find people out there, yeah, on YouTube or elsewhere that you know. I mean, you can say anything really that you want on the internet, um, but uh, you know, it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it it's just a question of can you can you can you back it up, and the evidence uh, supports. Uh, uh, both historical evidence, you know, when the Bible talks about historical facts, the Bible's accurate about those historical facts. When the Bible talks about uh, things of a scientific nature, the Bible's accurate about those things of a, uh, of a scientific nature. And therefore, when the Bible talks about things predominantly from a religious or a spiritual standpoint, it too is accurate about those things. I, I know, I really, I really appreciate you explaining that uh, to me, Pastor. That really uh, clears up a lot of uh, what I was uh, thinking. Uh, you know, I didn't have any insight like that. And, uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, that, uh, my, my, it's not, that I completely agree with you. I just, um, mm-hmm. but you, you know, you said, you said all uh, back to 3.16. Was that Peter? Or? Uh, se- oh, 2 Timothy 3.16. Second, oh, Second Timothy. Yep, yep. Second Timothy three sixteen. But I'm gonna yeah, write that and, and, down real quick. I, and you, uh, you said it was all, uh, all, all of it was inspired by God. Exactly that, and that's what Paul tells us in Second Timothy three sixteen. He says all Scripture is inspired uh, by God, and so everything that has oh. become, yeah, everything that has oh, become. Go ahead. Sorry to catch up, Pastor. Uh, so you, you said all, all Scripture. So does, is that just? Um, that doesn't just, I mean, does that just pertain to the Holy Bible? Um, because it, I mean, because it uh, teaches the truth of, uh, you know, of, uh, of, uh, of our origins, or, or, or could that be applied elsewhere, even though another book might not be uh, on the same page as 
you know, that's probably not inspired. I mean, you know, the, uh, I don't know if I'm... Yeah, uh, no, no, I... Yeah, no, I understand exactly what you're asking. And, and, and that is confined to, to the 66 books uh, of the Bible from, from Genesis uh, to, to Revelation there. Uh, it, that's, that's what we call Scripture. There might be other religious writings, but those aren't Scripture. In other words, there's uh, pseudographia, there's, there's apocryphal writings and things like that that might talk about some similar things, but that they don't rise to uh, the level of Scripture. And um, I'd also recommend a book for you. Uh, it's called The Canon of Scripture, C-A-N-O-N, The Canon of Scripture by F.F. F. Bruce. And that's going to describe, uh, it's going to answer your latter question as to how uh, the, the 66 books uh, of the Bible were canonized or determined to be Scripture. In other words, how did we how did we arrive at the uh, the canon of the Old Testament, the canon of the New Testament? When did that happen? Why did it happen? And why are those books considered scripture while certain other books are not considered scripture? Oh, I, I appreciate that, Pastor. Yeah, that yep. that that helps me out a lot. <laughs> yeah, you bet. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information out there. There's a great book by Charlie Campbell. Uh, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, Charlie Campbell. It's called uh, Scrolls and Stones. Uh, just just talking about the uh, inerrancy of Scripture, the canon of Scripture, and the Bible itself. Uh, a lot of great resources out there that will help you because you're going to encounter all kinds of people, like I said, that that you know can say kind of whatever they want on the Internet and and. And you know, depending on how they say it, it might even sound intelligent. But but the reality is, is it it, it may be far from from it the could facts. Be false. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. People. Yeah. They're. You know. It, it's not beneath uh, certain people to uh, to to twist the truth, um, particularly when they have an agenda against God or don't want to believe in God. That's. Uh, I, I I hate to uh, be a nuisance. I got a I got a friend who is uh, he's Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like, I go to his convenience store like every day to talk with him. He's like a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, we agree with like everything, like spot on, like, uh, <laughs> it's so weird, you know? Um, but there, there's one thing we don't agree with, you know? Um, and that, and that is, uh, when we die, my friend believes he's just going to go to this place uh, he's like some type of energy, and it's maybe like a blank place, you know, and that's mm-hmm. it. You know, when you die, you die, and right. uh, he goes to sleep. I think he said he sleeps. Um, and, 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 when I, and when I die, I told him, you know, uh, if you believe, in, you know, believe in Jesus Christ as your mm-hmm. Lord and Savior, and, um, you know, you repent, and, uh, you know, you get rid of that, uh, whatever was attached to that uh, repentance or asking for forgiveness, um, then you can be, you know, you can be saved, and uh, you know you have uh, you'll, you'll be with God because that's what God says. You know, you'll you'll be with Him, and, and uh... yeah, and and you know, obviously, there's going to be some similarities uh, between Islam. Of course, uh, Islam reveres Jesus, but not as the Son of God. It, Islam came around, came along in 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 uh, 600 A.D. and basically borrowed things from from Judaism and from Christianity and and other established religions. So it's no surprise um, that there are familiarities uh, within Islam to both Judaism and Christianity. And so. <clears throat> 
That's why you find the similarities there. Islam's a relatively young uh, religion, but uh, there's a great uh, uh, book out too. It's called uh, God Loves You, My Muslim Friend. Uh, God Loves You, My Muslim Friend. Uh, Sammy Tanago, T-A-N-A-G-H-O. Uh, he's uh, uh, He was a former Muslim himself, uh, is a former mu- Muslim, and uh, has a great outreach to uh, uh, people uh, within Islam. Okay? All right, James. I got to run here, and uh, but I appreciate you calling. God bless you, my friend. Uh, 303-690-3000, folks, if you want to join us. Let's go to Michael. Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks for waiting. You're welcome. How are you? Um, I'm good. All right. What's on your mind today? Um, I was wondering a question. When God, w- or sorry, when Jesus was um, going, or you know, on the rock playing, praying, um, he was sweating blood. How come? Mm-hmm. How come? How that happened? Yeah. So what you're talking about, um, we see it in Luke chapter 22, um, where Jesus is praying in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and in the 40, uh, 44th verse. Uh, of chapter 22, it says, Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Uh, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down uh, to the ground. Now, there's a few uh, uh, ideas about this. Some people um, believe that that uh, he didn't actually uh, sweat uh, drops of blood, that it, that it just had the appearance of that. Um, the verse says that, that it became like great drops of blood, but it's also possible uh, that his sweat was tinged uh, or mixed with blood. There's a, a physical condition. It's called hematidrosis, and, uh, and, and it can happen. It's rare, but it can happen to people that uh, are under great stress. And Jesus, of course, was under great uh, pressure of that moment because that's the night of his betrayal or the night before his betrayal, and he's going to go to the cross the next morning. Um, it, it's quite possible that under the pressure of the moment uh, that that his uh, his sweat was mixed uh, with blood, which is, as I said, a, a physical condition. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so it, it it's not very common. If you want to read more about it on the internet, it's uh, if you have a pen and paper, I'll spell it for you so you can Google it. Um, but it's a condition called hematidrosis. It's H E M A T I D R O S I S. And uh, right. some people some people believe that that's that that's what Jesus actually suffered from in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'll give you a little bit of additional information. It's interesting because Gethsemane, uh, Gatshmonim, uh, in, in, in Hebrew means olive press. And so it, really what happened is Jesus was praying. Um, really the victory that Jesus accomplished on the cross was, was really made possible because of his victory in the garden there in prayer. Um, but it was through great pressure and, as we're told here uh, by Luke, in great agony. And so it, it was like he was being pressed, like he was in an olive press as he was there uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so the pressure, the stress of that moment uh, possibly had a physical effect in this way upon Jesus. Okie dokie. All right. My f- yeah, you bet. Any, any other questions, Michael, or is that going to do it for you? Um, I'm good. Okay. Hey, God bless you. You have a great day, okay? All right. Thank you. You bet. 303-690-3000. And uh, let's go to Shane in Aurora. We can get Shane started here before the break. Shane, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. Thanks for taking my call. 
You bet. I've got about uh, two minutes to the break, so we'll probably have to bridge both sides of the break, but uh, at least we can uh, see what's on your mind. Okay, perfect. So uh, last December, I began the process with another gentleman to uh, start a, a business here locally, and um, over the course of the last year, uh, just through my uh you know reading through the bible a couple of times and just things that are are it's it's laying on my heart um I'm, i have a question and i've i've mm-hmm. tried to research it as far as uh going into business with an unbeliever um, right. I know in second corinthians it talks mm-hmm. about uneven being unevenly yoked and yep yeah and uh but also um, you know, I, I've read, there's the thought of, you know, if it doesn't compromise my Christian beliefs, it gives mm-hmm. me an opportunity to, to witness to somebody, um, you know, with, as far as the, you know, the daily business dealings, if it doesn't compromise. I mean, so I'm just curious as to where, you know, I want to yeah. make this decision biblically and, you know, I, I, I don't want to. We're deep into the process, but it it still gives me opportunity to to look at this. Yeah, and so you're you're deep into it, but but you would be able to. It sounds like if you decided to do otherwise, uh, not move forward with the partnership. Is that a true statement? Yes, we either of us would have an opportunity to okay. go and, and, and do it ourselves if we chose yeah. to. Okay, do me a favor, Shane. Uh, you might be able to hear the music there. That means we're going to have to go out to a, to a pre-programmed break here. So uh, we'll pick it up on the other side of the break. We can talk about uh, uh, Corinthians there, and, and uh, we'll, we'll get to your question right after this. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And we're back. Jason Vanderveer here with you this afternoon on Calvary Live. We're talking to Shane in Aurora, Colorado about the... um, the, the concept of, of believers being in business uh, with unbelievers. Um, Shane, you mentioned I, uh, the, the key verse, really, uh, on issues like this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Um, most commonly, uh, people apply that to, to marriage, obviously, or dating relationships. Um, but, but actually, that's, that's not the context at all, though it certainly does uh, have application in that area. But, but really has a broader application, uh, you know, um, certain types of friendships, uh, um, you know, not that we're not to be uh, friends with people uh, out in the world, but, but I always uh, encourage people, you know, those friendships that, that you're relying on. In other words, you're getting something out of that relationship. This verse applies to that. And I believe that it applies to, to business as well. Now, obviously, if you, you know, you work for a company, that's a different matter. You know, if, you, if you're working for a, a large company or even a small company and you get hired as an employee, um, I, don't, I don't think, that there's a, a a requirement or a stipulation here that that a believer could only work for another believer or in a you know in a Christian company, but but there is a different consideration when you're you're thinking about 
you know, starting your own business or your own venture, and you're talking about partnering uh, with with an unbeliever. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom uh, in applying this scripture from Second Corinthians six in that way, um, because you you have totally different worldviews. While you may agree on certain things, particularly you know if this other person you know has some some conservative values, and it's it, it's not uncommon to come across somebody who's not a believer who who does share many of the same values. But but in the end, you have different worldviews. You you look at things differently, and potentially that's going to to um, create issues in in, in your business particularly for you as a believer you know you 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 probably realize this that you know um whatever we do for work or whatever we do for business really the goal is to to glorify god it's not even to make a living god can use that to make a living but it's it's about glorifying god in every area of our life and and that can can kind of be difficult if you're partnered with with an unbeliever who whose agenda is is probably something entirely different um so my you know my take on it is is that second corinthians six fourteen uh does apply there and it and it's not really advisable to 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 willingly go into a business partnership uh or on the front end to knowingly go into a business partnership uh with with an unbeliever that's that's my take uh you know there's other people that perhaps would would disagree with uh disagree with me and 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 that's okay but uh, i don't believe that it's advisable or uh or that it that it's wise now sometimes you know you people are in partnerships and then they become believers or you know one thing leads to another and and i don't know what the situation is i'm not suggesting that that you do something that is going you know if if breaking it off um is going to you know um sour this person uh, to the gospel, it's, if it's going to cause you to have to go back on your word, then then obviously you've got to consider that as well, and you may have to go forward. But if if all things are just kind of free and clear, and you have the choice, uh, I I would suggest to you that 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 either another partner is better, or maybe another venture. Okay. You know? All right. That all that all makes sense. I I just I've seen diff- conflicting sure thoughts. Uh, you know, in doing my research, and and that where you are coming from is where I've been leaning, and so I, I yeah. appreciate you, uh, you know, solidifying solidifying that for me. Yeah, it's it's not an easy decision to make, you know, and and when you sit and look at it, it's it's not the decision, you know, that that maybe you want to make, but it's sometimes you look at it and you realize, oh, this is probably the decision that I need to make. And and oftentimes I find when I make those decisions and I and I and I go with you know what the Spirit of God is telling me and the Word of God is telling me uh, that that I spare myself a lot of misery later on that I couldn't have foreseen, you know and 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 that's uh, um, that's the benefit. Obviously we are obedient because God tells us, but uh, um, but also because uh, we know that God has uh, His best for us in that obedience. All right. Perfect. That sounds hey. great. Thanks so much yeah. again for taking my call. You bet. God bless you, Shane, and uh, have a great rest of your week. Thanks. You do the same. Yep. 303-690-3000. Jason Vanderveer here with you on Calvary Live. Let's go to Stephen, Middletown, Pennsylvania. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, what's on your mind? All right, so... I was speaking with one of my friends recently, and the uh, just 
and we came about to talking about tattoos, not in any like theological sense, but it got me thinking, um, this is something that I've thought about before and done a fair amount of research in myself, but I differ mm-hmm. from some of my more conservative um, like peers. And yeah, because I know that in the Old Testament, like tattoos and piercings and things are like forbidden. But mm-hmm. so are, like, certain dietary laws, and you're told how you should, like, wear your garments and wear your hair. Sure. And a lot of those things have been set aside in the New Testament. Right. Uh, but the New Testament has its own, like, cultural things, like when Paul's talking about women should cover their head and not speak in church, uh, and things like that. So that's, like, the first part of my question. Like, so, mm-hmm. like, specifically tattoos. Okay. Is that something that, as a Christian, you should, or I should categorically, like, set aside, mm-hmm. or um, I heard a pastor on Word FM, which is what I'm listening to, um, talking about our ability as believers to, like, redeem things that, like, Jesus wasn't necessarily born in December 25th, but we have redeemed that day to be when we celebrate his coming. Mm-hmm. So is that um, concept applicable to this uh, yeah. issue? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk. About, let's talk about it. Of course, so if, if you go back to the nineteenth chapter of Leviticus, that's usually where people point to, um, regardless of what their position is uh, on on tattoos. That's kind of the uh, the passage. What I like to tell people, and by the way, uh, I don't I don't have any tattoos, so that might surprise people. Um, when they hear what I have to say, they might think, well, this guy's got tattoos, and so he's defending tattoos. I don't have any, but I don't have any problem with tattoos um, because of the Scripture. Because in Leviticus 19.28, when it talks about, uh, in, in, in that verse, it says, you shall not, uh, in the ESV, it says, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. What we, we realize is a couple of things. First of all, in verse 27, he also says this, you shall not round off the hair of your temples or mar the edges of your beard so if if we're looking at that passage and saying you can't be tattooed we got to look at the whole passage and say well you can't really trim the sides of your hair or your beard right none of us should be shaving we should all have you know we should all look like the uh the 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 modern lumberjacks that exist in every city that wear flannels and have these giant beards you know the cool dudes and uh and 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 uh but that's not what either of those verses is is saying here um the context is doing these things uh, as the pagan customs were for the dead. So they would mark their bodies. They would tattoo their bodies uh, in memorial for the dead. They would, uh, or, or sometimes even in veneration or worship uh, of the dead, they would cut their, uh, not just, just uh, they would shape their beards in, in, in a way that was associated with pagan worship. And they would cut their hair in a way that was associated uh, with pagan worship. And so that passage is all about the, the uh, trappings of, of pagan worship. It's not even a, a prohibition against tattoos just in general at all. But if someone wants to say, well, you know, no, it is a prohibition against tattoos. Well, it, it's, it clearly isn't. But even if we give you that, this is a command uh, for the nation of Israel. And as you brought up, kind of getting into to part 1B, I guess you would say, of your question, is, is that there, there are certain uh, laws in the, in, that, that are confined to the, the Mosaic uh, law and the Old Testament covenant with the nation of Israel uh, that, that don't apply uh, in the New Testament to believers under the New Covenant. And uh, we see that, that very clearly. We, we recognize that, that of the Ten Commandments, 
nine out of the ten commandments are are reiterated in the new testament that's because nine out of the ten are moral but the one that isn't moral the sabbath is is not reiterated under the new covenant for the church and in fact the moral aspects of the law precede uh the mosaic law and and the old covenant and they're eternal and so they go on and so that's why those things are a responsibility um you know when jesus says he who loves me keeps my commandments we we see very clearly in john 15 uh, they are those uh, who abide in him who who do those things that he taught them so he's not talking about uh, the Old Testament law and commandments he's not saying you know you need to keep the Sabbath you need to keep the feast you need to keep the dietary restrictions and and things of that nature so so even if Leviticus was saying that that would be uh, for the nation of Israel but in context he's not even saying that uh, to the nation uh, of Israel so uh, that that kind of takes care of 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 the the first part of your question. Now the second part of your question, yeah, I I think that certain things can uh, can have a redemptive quality. In other words, um, you know, while there were clearly people in in ancient times who were marking themselves in veneration or worship of the dead, um, you know, I know a lot of believers who do have tattoos that glorify God. So and I believe that it that it is. Uh, perfectly possible to have uh, tattoos that that glorify the Lord, and then there are some people that have tattoos uh, from before they came to Christ that don't uh, glorify the Lord, and and perhaps uh, that's a testimony of what the Lord has done in their life, or if they so choose. Obviously, nowadays we have uh, ways of of uh, having those removed. Right. Sounds yeah. good. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. So, so you know, the the best answer is I I tell should I get a tattoo? Well, it, if you're an if you're not an adult, that's up to your parents. <laughs> obviously, you <laughs> right. obviously you are. Um, so as an adult, that's something that you have to pray about. And and I would say this, you know, if it's something that that somebody wants to do, the question they should ask themselves is, is this going to help me glorify God? And mm-hmm. And if it is, if, if there's, as you point out, a redeeming quality in it and, and they have no conviction from God, then, then they should do that. If they do, then, then, then they, should, uh, they should move away from that. Sounds good. Okay. Hey, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you calling in. And, uh, Stephen, have a great day. Thanks. You too. Take care. 303-690-3000. Let's go to, to Sean in uh, New Jersey. Sean, welcome to the program. Pastor, good evening. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. How are you? Good, good. I uh, just have two questions, if we can get to them. If not, then I understand. So the, the first question is, uh, my wife and I, we teach um, twos and threes in, mm-hmm. in church. And um, in the study guide, um, it mentioned about Adam and Eve um, going to hell. Well, I didn't quite, I don't remember, remember that. So I went into my King James, and I looked in there, and... Um, and all it really said is God told Joseph, correct me if I'm wrong, that you will surely die. And then I read all the way up through, um, all the way to the very end when Joseph is, is um, mentioned last, and it just mentions he lived to 139 years old and then died. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mention that him and Eve went to actually, to actually went to hell. But in the study guide for, for the children's... Um, Bible class, it says that. So, yeah. just I'm a little yeah. confused about that. And, and and is that a theology? Is it what is that? 
Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I would suggest to you that that's an errant theology uh, uh, in that particular curriculum. I'm. I'm not. Um, I'd be interested to know. You know who produced that curriculum. I've I, in the curriculum that we've used over the years. We've used a few different. Um, there's some good ones out there, but <clears throat> I've never come across uh, that sort of uh, uh, errant doctrine because. Uh, very clearly, it, 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 the scripture gives no impression um, that Adam, Adam and Eve, uh, you know, went to hell; that they were unregenerate. You know, they they fell, um, but they had the same opportunity to be saved like everyone else. Um, you know, and there 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 really is uh, no uh, no leg to stand on, uh, so to speak, to to suggest that uh, that somehow Adam you know was lost that 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 he fell and 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 that he wasn't uh um that he wasn't somehow saved that, and, and wasn't looking forward to the messiah in fact in fact quite the opposite they you know they had the gospel preached to them uh the first people uh to have the gospel preached to them after the fall there in in, in genesis chapter 3 so my, i would suggest to you that uh, that they were saved that they uh that they were uh, redeemed just as as we are and by the way people are all saved the same way the only difference is their position in relationship to the cross and we see that very clearly in the 11th chapter of the book of hebrews that that some people were looking forward by faith to the cross of jesus christ obviously the disciples had the privilege of looking upon the cross and we look back in history uh, to the cross of Jesus Christ, but we're all saved by looking to the Messiah uh, for the redemption of sins. And Adam and Eve, the same yeah. way. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I even, when I studied it, they actually tried pleasing God uh, yeah. all the way up to the end of their life. Even yeah. when they were tossed, you know, you know, yeah. out, of the, out of the garden. So I, I agree with that, and I just... You know, my wife and I had that that question, so I appreciate you answering that. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's not it's not the you know I mean I, as I look at that it's it's a it, that's a problematic uh, teaching. Obviously, there's things that that can be more problematic than that, but but I guess the biggest issue is is that it's it's not only is it not really based on scripture, it it, it really seems to kind of go against what we read in the scripture. That's right. That's right. Yeah. and I and, agree, and I I appreciate that. Um, so yep. obviously, with the young kids, we didn't get into that—that that, you know portion of it. But um, it just kind of threw us for a loop there. So yeah, it uh, nope. made us lean on God's word to be if it's actual, factual. Well, so, you got to be like uh, a, you got to be like the Bereans in Acts 17. Search the scriptures, make sure it's true. That's right. Do you yeah. have time for my second one? I do. Shoot. Yeah. All right. So um, this is a question I had, and I. I talked to my wife about it, and she, she couldn't really help me uh, get understand it. So uh, it, 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 the Bible clearly says that Jesus comes from the house of David. Now, to my understanding, um, the, the law always stated, I know uh, Christ uh, supersedes the law, but um, the, the, the law always supersedes uh, uh, that um, basically the Father is the one that... Um, passes on the genealogy, that would be Joseph. But we, we know that Joseph is not the, the father of Christ. So where do they, where does that come from? I know anything's possible with God. So are they saying that um, anything's possible with God, that's why Jesus comes from the house of David? Um, and is that an issue why maybe, like, the Jewish people uh, uh, struggle with maybe uh, believing in Christ as 
um, as their true Messiah. Yeah, no, um, I, I think uh, the, the key is in understanding, obviously, two genealogies for Jesus in the Gospels, and they're actually um, slightly different. Uh, um, of course, uh, Matthew 1, the first 17 verses, and then uh, in Luke, uh, the third chapter, uh, verses 23 through 28. And um, it's believed that Matthew's genealogy uh, lists Joseph's line, but Luke's gives Mary's line, even though it says... It says, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. But if you look at Matthew and Luke, uh, Joseph's lineage is, is different. And so, you know, Joseph is uh, more prominent in the earlier chapters of Matthew. The opposite is true in Luke. And women's names were not commonly used in, in Jewish genealogies. And so it's believed that Luke is actually giving Mary's genealogy. And so if that is, it's also, there's also some interesting nuances because the verb, uh, the language is interesting. Matthew uses the verb begot. Luke uses the article tau, which is of. So, so he's not necessarily saying begotten in Luke. And I believe very strongly that actually Luke is, is giving us uh, uh, Mary's genealogy, which is interesting because they both descend from David. And right. uh, and so he is literally the son of David through his his uh, biological uh, mother Mary, uh, but legally because as you point out, uh, descent comes through the father. He also has a right to the throne of David through his his uh, stepfather, if you will, uh, Joseph. And it it solves some other uh, issues as well. Uh, in that in Jeremiah twenty two thirty. The Lord promised that none of uh, Jeconiah's sons would sit on the throne. Well, the problem is, is that Joseph uh, descends through Jeconiah, but Mary doesn't. And so by blood, Jesus isn't a descendant of Jeconiah, but he still is a descendant of David. So it takes care of that prophecy in Jeremiah 22 as well. Right. So, so yeah, okay. so I guess... Does that... It confused me more, but I, 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 I think I know where, where you're going with it. I, I apologize. I guess no, no, I'll let... study more on it. Well, let me, let me simplify it this way. So, so is Jesus the son of David? Yes, he's, he's the son of David through both Joseph and Mary. Legally through Joseph, biologically through Mary. And, and Matthew 1 and Luke 3 uh, reveal that in that you're probably dealing with the genealogy of Joseph in Matthew and the genealogy of, uh, uh, of Mary in, in Luke chapter 3. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, hey, I God, appreciate you, sir. Thank you God bless much. you, Sean. Thanks for calling. God bless you. Yep. Let's, go to, uh, let's go to Tom in, in New Jersey. Hey, Pastor. How you doing? I'm doing really well. How, how are you? Good. Thanks for all you do. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, what, what's on a, your mind? I had, a, I had a question. I wanted to see your take would be on it. In the uh, Revelation, it talks about the New Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Mm-hmm. And then um, it says Jesus is the light of the, of the New Jerusalem. The light's the inside of it. But on the outside, I guess it's coming down to earth. So will the sun and everything and the moon still, still be here to light the earth up? Because naturally inside the New Jerusalem will, will be the light of Jesus, we, as we understand. And then, on the, and it also says that on the outside of, of the New Jerusalem city, the only people that enter there are the people who have written in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life. Mm-hmm. Does that mean there's just still evil on the earth that tries to get in there, more or less? And that's basically yeah. what my question was. No, that's a good question. So it, it's helpful to understand, a lot of times we speak of e- eternity as heaven. 
Um, but uh, that can be, a, and I have no problem with that, but it can be a little bit confusing. Um, sometimes I like to use the term the eternal state because um, the eternal state involves the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, the eternal state uh, involves uh, heaven, but it also involves uh, the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem that you're pointing out. And in in Second um, Peter and also in Revelation chapter 21, we see that the earth is going to pass away. So, so after the final judgment, the great white throne uh, judgment there in Revelate at the end of Revelation chapter 20, there uh, uh, we see that uh, all those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire. Satan and the beast and the false prophet have already been cast uh, into the lake of fire. And then in chapter 21, verse 1, John says, I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. And then in verse 2, he talks about the new Jerusalem, which you uh, did a great job uh, of describing coming down. So so this is the eternal state. There's the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Uh, the old earth has passed away. Uh, Jesus Christ is the light of the new uh, Jerusalem there, and uh, he's uh, ruling and reigning eternally, having reigned uh, on earth, the old earth, for a thousand years, and then and then that passes away. While there is sin in the millennial reign of Christ, in the in um, though Christ rules with a rod of iron, uh, we see very clearly uh, in the Old Testament prophets who talk about the millennial reign of Christ that that uh, while it, there is a general holiness, a general righteousness on earth, and Christ is ruling, uh, there still is an opportunity uh, to sin, and there still uh, are people who sin. In fact, at the close of the millennium, Satan is loosed after he's bound for a thousand years, and he leads uh, one final rebellion, on, and clearly there has to be sin present for that to take place. But at the great white throne judgment, all sin and, and all sinners uh, are, are judged. So those who enter into this final state of eternity, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, uh, are in their uh, glorified state uh, in which they no longer sin, they no longer have a sin nature, they no longer have an opportunity to sin. In other words, sin isn't a choice. Okay? Right. Does that, does that answer your question? Was there any part of your question I want to make sure that I, that I, that I, that I cover it all for you? Hey, you did a good job. Appreciate it. Okay, Thanks. good deal. So kind of a complicated question, uh, good question, though, and uh, just wanted to make sure that, that, uh, that, we, um, that we carefully, uh, you know, uh, uh, address that. But uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, topic, and it's important to understand, you know, the different aspects uh, of, of, like I said, the eternal state. Um, because depending on when you look at it, if you're looking right after the Great Tribulation period, well, that's the millennial reign of Christ. If you're looking a thousand years later, well, that's after the the, the Great White Throne Judgment. It's something far different. Right. Okay. Appreciate. It. Thanks. Hey, you bet. God bless Have you, and uh, appreciate you uh, appreciate you calling in, Tom. Take care. Thanks for listening. Thanks. God bless you too. All right. Take care. You, Bye. you bet. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number to call if you want to join me on the air. Got a few minutes left, and probably if we we got a call right now, we could uh, we could take it. Uh, but uh, but otherwise, if it gets too late here, we won't be able to take too many more. But three zero three six nine zero three thousand is uh, is a great uh, uh, number to pick up and uh, and to dial. Just looking through some of the text here, uh, and uh, this one's interesting. It says, "If hell equals Sheol uh, equals Abraham's bosom, uh, is it true?" Of course, uh, the text is.
is in reference to Luke chapter 16, uh, where Jesus talks about uh, Abraham's bosom. Sheol is the, uh, the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word for the grave, actually. Not for hell, but, but for the grave. Uh, and it certainly does encompass um, a pre-suffering aspect, but not the ultimate sense of hell. And in, in the Greek New Testament, the word is, is Hades. And uh, it's important to understand that when people died prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, something different happened than after Christ died and was resurrected. And in Luke 16, this whole thing is, is brought out for us. Uh, when a believer died before uh, Christ came and died and rose again, uh, they went to Sheol, or as I said in Greek, Hades. And, and if they were a believer, in other words, they were looking forward to the Messiah, they went to a place known as Abraham's bosom a place uh, within the uh, uh, grave for believers who were awaiting Christ and his resurrection. Unbelievers went to uh, a place of torments, Jesus says in, in, in Luke 16. Now, after the resurrection of Christ, we know, as Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we die, that is when our soul and spirit separate uh, from our body, we go to be with the Lord, awaiting the resurrection and the reunification of our spirit and soul uh, with our body. And so there is no longer this this destination uh, place known as Abraham's bosom uh, for the believers. They go into the presence uh, of the Lord. Now, hell is something far different. Of course, there was a place of torments or suffering in the grave, and there still is. Uh, But those people aren't in the ultimate state of hell or suffering, uh, which is Gehenna uh, from the Valley of Hinnom or the Lake of Fire. And that's what people ultimately associate with hell. And that comes after the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20 there. So uh, hopefully that uh, that clears it up uh, for uh, for this uh, uh, person texting us there and uh, maybe for some other people uh, that were curious about that as well. Hey, wow, we had some, uh, I can't believe it, it's uh, it's already that time. Uh, we're going to have to wind down the show, but some great calls today. Selena, James, uh, Michael, Shane, appreciate all of you guys. Stephen and Sean and Tom, appreciate all of your calls and uh, questions this afternoon here on Calvary Live. Calvary Live will be back tomorrow, same time, same channel. In fact, jot down this number in your phone if you want to call 303-690-3000 and uh, join uh, our pastors here on the program. It's been a privilege and a pleasure. I'm Jason Vandiver, Calvary Chapel Parker. More information about us available calvarychapelparker.com. Join us this weekend uh, if you can, if you're going to be in the area. And again, thanks for joining me on the program. Good night. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.